Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome back. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our second bye week of the season is here and then we have a big three-week finish. So this week, we only have one show for you as we join the team in getting ready for what will be an exciting finish to the season, we hope anyway. Our guest this week is Anthony Broom from our partner, Mazin Brew. Before we hear from him, let's get it rolling with my view from Section 17. I was hoping we would show up on Saturday and beat Maryland to a pulp, uh, sort of like Minnesota did the week before. Even though we jumped off to a 21 to nothing lead, I thought the offense looked choppy in the first half. We kept trying to run the ball at an eight-man front, and we only managed just over 40 yards. I was asking myself the same question Brian Greasy was on the telecast. Why aren't we throwing the ball to open things up? We took a few shots downfield, but really not that many in the first half. Now, the second half was a different story. The offensive line came to life, and they looked good. Even the defense, though, was choppy in the first half, but you kind of knew we would put the clamps on Maryland eventually, and we did. Part of the fan base is going to say, you know, hey, it was a 31-point victory on the road. Take it and be happy. And I was, but I'm in the other part of the fan base that wanted to see this team come out and tattoo Maryland and make me believe we've made the turn. I wanted a four-quarter demolition, but maybe that's expecting too much. So the bye week again is upon us. And while this Michigan team has definitely looked better in the last three weeks, they still worry me, and I'm sure they worry you too. But maybe it's just me. Each of our last three games brings us something to worry about. Yes, Sparty is not good, but we are their Super Bowl. This game will be their season. It will be a battle. Then it's on the road to Bloomington, where we have struggled mightily against very mediocre IU teams the last two visits. And in case you haven't noticed, this Indiana team is not mediocre. They are really playing good ball right now. So that game worries me. And then there's Ohio State. And if we're being honest, it's hard to imagine us winning that game. I know, I've got the bye week blues. I'll snap out of it by the weekend. But that's how I feel right now. We need to come out of this bye week, though, ready to rock. And I hope roll it up on Sparty. If we can do that, 
We will have momentum for the trip to Bloomington, where we will have to play at a high level to beat this year's Hoosiers team. If we can get these next two and keep improving, maybe, just maybe, we will have a little surprise for Ryan Day and his unbeatable Buckeyes. It's happened before, you know. On paper, we will probably be double-digit underdogs that weekend, but as the late great Bob Eufer used to remind us, the only problem with that is the Buckeyes won't be playing us on paper. I know, I'm getting ahead of myself. First things first, as Jim Harbaugh says, it's improvement week. It's good to get healthy and fine-tune things for the challenge that lies ahead, and it is going to be fun. Up next on our game day segment with his thoughts on the Maryland game and just where this Michigan team is right now in his opinion as we enter the bye week is the managing editor of our partner, SB Nation's Mason Brew, Anthony Broom, here on our bye week edition of The Michigan Man, so stay tuned. us on our game day segment this week, Anthony Broom from Maize and Brew. Once again, great to have you back with us, Anthony. Of course, always glad to be here, especially on a little bit of a rest and relaxation week as we prepare for the stretch run here. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people it's it's strange to have two bye weeks, but uh, it gives you a chance to uh, watch other people play and not stress out, which is always a nice feeling. Yeah, especially when, you know, it, it might be overstating it a bit, but Sometimes college football Saturdays can be a little bit uh, a little bit stressful when we're watching uh, the Michigan Wolverines here. So, yeah, to watch someone else and kind of kick back and know you don't have to write or record anything, uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, it is uh, again, as we all have said, uh, a bye week. Anthony in Michigan, coming off a road win against Maryland, so let's uh, back up to the weekend and get your thoughts on that win. Well, I think. Whatever people want to call it, if you want to call it a, a come-down game or a hangover game, uh, because maybe it wasn't quite as impressive as what they did against Notre Dame, that's fine. But if you're going to have one of those games and you still win by 31 points and you kind of sleepwalk your way into it, and, and I think they, they did play better than just sleepwalking, um, you got to be happy with that. I mean, they, when you Maryland's not a great team, but you didn't really play all that well, and you still – went out, set the tone early on the road, and just kind of walked out walked out of that week with a, a win, a big win, a comfortable win. Um, everyone's healthy. You're, you're relatively healthy heading into the bye, and now you get a week to rest up for you know, a stretch run here that will be, see two rivalry games in the last three weeks, and then what no doubt will be a stressful trip to Indiana, uh, sandwiched in between there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – I've been saying this the last few days coming out of the game. It's, I'm really just not going to call that game on Saturday any more than what it was. It was um, you know, a nice win. It was not overly impressive. Um, but whenever you can 
go on the road, not play your best football and, and win like that, I'm, I just, I'm not going to dig deep to find the energy to really dog that all that much. Well, there is no doubt this team has turned the corner offensively, probably mentally as a team uh, after that Penn State game, Anthony. A big factor, though, for the offense, they haven't turned the ball over. I think it's been 11 quarters, and to no one's surprise, that can be a huge factor in any turnaround, can it? Sure. I mean, for as much prob- or for as many problems as they had offensively those first you know, three, four weeks of the year, a lot of that had to do with the fact they were never even giving themselves a chance to get rolling because they were turning over the ball so much. So, um, you know, I had said it from the start, and I'll say it now. When you take care of the football, now you still have to execute in the other areas, but you you give yourself a chance to get rolling. And maybe this the offense still isn't quite firing on all cylinders like some people would like it to, to be, but this team can move the football when they don't turn it over. And, um, you know, it seems like they have cleaned that up. I, I don't recall uh, any major mistakes really since that, that Illinois game. Mm-hmm. Um no, they've done a really nice job of cleaning that up and really just sticking to it. I mean, it really would have been easy for them to let those mistakes snowball and maybe the Josh Gaddis thing doesn't click as well as it has in recent weeks. But they've really done a nice job of coming to work every day, putting in the work, taking care of ball security, and, and just that arrow continues to point upward for them. Would we have liked to have seen it do that sooner? Absolutely. But... um we have to take this team for what they are, not what we wish they would be. So in the here and now, they've done a nice job cleaning most of their offensive woes up. Let's talk about Shea Patterson for just a moment. Uh, he was solid again on Saturday, made good reads, I thought, had some drops, a few poor throws. But overall, I thought he was pretty darn good, wasn't he, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, at this point, he is what he is. I mean, he's going to miss some throws now and then. Um, it's not He's not always going to do a great job seeing the field, but... I think when I think what Michigan's done a nice job of in the last you know month or so is letting him just be a college quarterback instead of being a guy who has to be perfect and has to stand in the pocket and, and make these you know deliver these throws on a dime. Um, you know, at this point, you know people early in the year had been calling for a quarterback change, and that's that's obviously not going to happen now. Uh, but I think. Michigan's best shot to get rolling down the stretch is always going to be if it started to click with Patterson and he figured it out. And I think he's had a few good games. I don't think he's had his best football game. Yet. I mean, his best game was you know, probably that, that game at Penn State. Um, and even the numbers don't really show how good he was in that game. But, you know, they're they're going to need probably at least one or two more efforts like that uh, in, these, in these last few weeks. And you just hope that with another week of, of – kind of easing into things, another week of practice, another week to get timing down that you know that he can continue hit the hit the stride and, and you know, hopefully play well enough, you know, not to look ahead too far, but hopefully play well enough to give you a chance in that last game of the year, which is I think all you can really ask for. And and I think fans have to start taking that into account. I mean, as we've said, he is what he is at this point. But at this point of the season you need someone who uh makes good reads, is a good leader does not turn the ball over. But I think expectations are such a bugaboo when it comes to players like him. And a lot of Michigan fans that you hear from are just disappointed because, you know, maybe he's not that five-star NFL guy they thought he was going to be. Yeah, and I think it's 
it might just be a frustration with the quarterback situation in general. Uh, you know, heading in, being that it's year five with Jim Harbaugh, who, you know, again, kind of came into, came out of the NFL and back to college with the label of being a, you know, a quarterback guru. Um, they've done some, they've developed guys at a decent clip, but nobody's really been a star. Nobody's been, you know, I think fans maybe were hoping that he would be able to bring in their version of Andrew Luck, and, and they haven't done that yet. Now, they still, it kind of looks like heading into next year, it's finally going to be, you know, his guys in the mix for the job, assuming there's no transfers or, or outside um, guys that come in. Um, you know, as, as far as, like I said, I think part of the problem with Michigan's quarterback situation is I think that they've, it, I'm not going to, it's not really a recruiting thing. I think that they have recruited guys that have tools and they say, you know, three years from now, three or four years from now, we get this guy in here. Sure. He might be raw now, but he's an NFL quarterback. If we work with them a couple of years from now, whereas other schools are kind of just bringing in guys who can play. And mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of freshman quarterbacks start now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that, that emphasis may kind of be why they're in the situation they are right now. Um, you know, that you see freshman quarterbacks all over the country getting on the field. And that's not to say they need to go out and recruit some star freshmen, but um, I really think, you know, people ask, why is it taking so long? Because it seems like they've recruited some guys that just need more time. And, and that's fine. If they pan out, we'll, we'll see. Like, that's it's kind of still incomplete there right now. But um, right now it, it is what it is. And, and when you've seen those other guys on the field, McCaffrey's gotten some run this year. Milton has gotten some run this year. You see things that you like, but you you know it comes with the knowledge that they're not a finished product yet. So when people kind of call for the quarterback change, it's just not it's not it's just not realistic because unless there's unless there's some sort of injury, making that switch was always going to be kind of punting on this season. And, mm-hmm. and knowing what you do about Jim Harbaugh, uh, he's never going to punt on any season. So well, we're nine games into it now, and when you look at this offense, do you expect it still has more that it can give, or are we seeing uh, seeing what we can expect for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think you're starting to see what the, they finally have found something to look good at. They're, they're starting to develop in the run game, the short passing game. I know fans would love to see, you know, fans kind of want them to air it out a little bit more, and that's kind of been the the running thread throughout the entire year. When you have a, a Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, Ronnie Bell. Um, you know, yeah, I think that I think that there's more there. I'd like to see them. You definitely, you know, you definitely should maybe get Nico Collins a few more targets in a game. I mean, if he's targeted five times in a game, I don't think it's that crazy and that much of an adjustment to the offensive game plan to be like, you know what, maybe let's get him the ball or try to get in the ball seven or eight times to see what happens. If that guy's in single coverage and you chuck the ball up to him, more often than not, it's either pass interference or it's a, an amazing play that he's made. So being that I think he's I think he's their best offensive player, you'd like to see him maybe get a few more here and there. Now, they've done a really nice job of spreading the ball around. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that people, when, when Josh Gaddis was brought in, thought that, Speed and space was going to mean, oh, they're going to the air raid and they're going to air things out. And Shane Patterson's going to be Baker Mayfield. That's not that's not it. I mean, it's a it's a spread based West Coast style of passing offense, mm-hmm. and I think 
some people think that they're going to need to air it out to beat Ohio State. I don't necessarily believe in it, but I do think within the offensive play play calling that you already have, I think you do need to you're, you're going to have to be aggressive. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that's kind of where things are at right now. So you know, continuing just kind of just keep doing what you're good at because that's what you've been been building on. You can't just reverse course now. But yeah, uh, they're definitely. I think that the play calling could be a little bit more aggressive. You can't. I mean. We know that, going back to the Maryland game, we know that they started off hot right off the bat with the kick return. But, you know, the first 17 offensive plays were run for 49 yards. You can't start like that in most football games and, and get a win. So they have to be better starting out hotter early. All right. I think Brian Greasy agreed with you on Saturday or on the telecast Saturday. He said, hey, they've got eight, nine guys up in the box. Yeah, the running game's improving. Yes, you want to run, but throw the ball, back him off. It's what you have to do. So uh, I think that maybe was a little bit of the frustration on Saturday, too. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes, and like this isn't, if you want to call it a criticism of the coaching staff, you can't. But I think sometimes there's they're just so confident that, that what they can do what they want to do, no matter what the defense shows. And I think they do that to a fault. Uh, from time to time, I think they really could do a better job of, you know, attacking what a defense gives you. If you have eight or nine of the box, math tells you that maybe, maybe it might be a good idea to, you know, attack over the, over the top or the middle of the field. So um, I think those are kind of the, the adjustments, the, the game flow stuff that Josh Gaddis, while he's improved at it and he's starting, you know, what we're seeing with him is that when he gets into a groove, like they've been, they've been putting together some really nice, drives with some good calls and good play designs um, but I think that's that's something that's a feel for the game that you still kind of you can't develop that until you call plays so um, I think that's something that we should be looking for moving forward. Well over on the other side of the ball the defense Saturday started off in the first half giving up some yards especially on the ground but they tightened up and once again Don Brown's made some great adjustments in uh, the last few weeks the defense is the least of our worries isn't it? Yeah it kind of feels like they're they're back to a point where you can expect them to kind of come in and do their job. And I really just think a team as a gen- in, in general um, was a little bit shell-shocked coming out of last year. That's why we saw some of those mistakes early on. But it feels like as a whole, everyone's kind of back to that point where they're, they're not cocky, but they're, they're sure of themselves. They're confident. Um, they know that if they play well, they can beat any team that, that they feel like they go up against uh, the defense. I think what Don Brown's done a really nice job of doing is, you know, those first five, six weeks of the year, everyone's favorite uh, complaint was that uh, for a year, Michigan hasn't been able to stop the crossing route, but they've been, they've been starting to mix coverages, play some zone here and there. Uh, I think Daxton Hill and Cam McGrone uh, coming on and, and being as young and as athletic as they have, they've been uh, has been something that's allowed them to be a little bit more versatile defensively. So, um, Again, we know what happened in the Ohio State game last year. Uh, it wasn't great. It, they weren't able to adjust. Uh, I, I think that what you're at least seeing is that Don Brown has the ability to throw a curveball now and then and mix things up. And if you can confuse, if you can confuse a, a quarterback and then heck, maybe even get to him a little bit, which they didn't do in Columbus last year either. Again, you might you might give yourself a chance. And uh, like I said, I think that. Um, Don Brown's done done a pretty solid job this year. He's they've had he's had some tough assignments, and when like what happened at Wisconsin was was not acceptable. But you know, 
he's had to prepare his team for the triple option. They've, you know, they've had some injuries. They've had to, to try some different things, move some guys around. And I think overall he's done a pretty good job this year. Um, what will determine whether he's done a great job or not is obviously going to be what happens in these final few weeks of the year and then maybe the bowl game. But I think that the, the guy that, that people know and love is kind of back in terms of putting together a feared defense. Well, we can debate whether the bye has come at a, a good time. But looking ahead, Sparty up next. And they are not a good team right now. I think that's very fair to say. But we always have to remember that it's a rivalry. It's going to be their Super Bowl again this year. And Michigan just has to go out and put the hammer down on these guys early, don't they, Anthony? Yeah, I think it's the concerns about, you know, is a bye week going to slow us down? Um, yeah, that's that's always a fair concern. Because I, actually, I think the last time... The last time these two teams played in Ann Arbor, Michigan came off the bye, and that was, you know, Michigan State wound up winning that game. Um, I think that the concerns about them cooling down are maybe a little bit warranted, but I'll say this. I mean, given what we've seen in this rivalry, it's not like coming out of the bye week that you have something that you're that you're not able to get up for. I mean, the, the these two teams hate each other. I think that Michigan... Michigan's hatred for Michigan State kind of matches, finally sort of matches um, Michigan State, how Michigan State feels about uh, the Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh and all that. And I really do think that this team will be able, I I think that they'll be able to get up and and kind of smell blood in the water, especially, you know, if Michigan State goes out this weekend and loses to Illinois, um, there will be a lot of blood in the water. And for Michigan coaches and players to kind of have in mind that, uh, that they might be able to have a hand in, in maybe potentially putting an end to the Mark D'Antonio era because that's pretty much all they have left for this year is to beat Michigan. Um, even I don't know if that's enough for them to kind of not move in a different direction, but you know, to, to have that chance coming out of the bye, to have it be at home, um, you haven't beaten Michigan State at home under Jim Harbaugh. I think that they will – you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a team that suddenly forgets to play football out of the bye week. Um, so we'll see. It, it, we'll see how their approach differs. I mean, they had a bye week earlier this year after the Army game, heading into Wisconsin, and obviously things didn't go great there. Um, so I would expect them to make the the appropriate adjustments, and, and they'll be ready to play that game on the 16th. There, there's no doubt in my mind about that. When you mentioned we're starting to hear rumblings in sectors of the of the media that D'Antonio could be out after this year. Do you think that they would really fire him after all that he's done for that school? However it happens, I don't think he's going to get quote-unquote fired. I think that they're going to give him the chance to kind of go out on his, have him go out on his own terms while also sort of forcing him out, retirement, resignation. Um, The thing of it is there is that I don't know, I mean, given all of their administrative issues that they've had the last few years, I don't know if they have the leadership structure in place to not only make a decision to, to fire, you know, arguably the best football coach they've ever had, while also conducting a, a thorough, professional, and, and successful coaching search. It's it's not great up there right now. It's it's kind of a mess. And you know, if you're Michigan, like that's that's really of no concern to you, other than winning the game and, and making sure that you keep keep Paul Bunyan in Ann Arbor and that you keep the state as kind of yours heading in, you know, to send Michigan State into a, you know, an off season of 
confusion and questions about the future and all that. So again, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, even if they do get rid of D'Antonio, if I'm a Michigan State fan, am I confident that they're going to have that? You know, that that's a job that even appeals to someone or that one of their top targets. I've heard people say Luke Fickle and PJ Fleck, like those. I think that for those guys, that job would either be at best a lateral move. And, you know, if you're a guy like Fleck and, you know, Florida State's open, USC might be open. Uh, some of these other schools might open up. Michigan State's not even consideration. So I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, it's not it's not great for them right now. After Sparty, we uh, head down to Bloomington, and we have had our hands full the last two trips down there. And this game, week by week, is looking scarier, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. This is, um, you know, it's an Indiana team that looks like they have a chance to win nine games, uh, whether it be in the regular season or, or with a bowl win. Um, now they haven't really, they haven't played a ton of a ton of good teams either. So I mean, that, that's going to be a test. But anything, like like we said, with the way that Michigan goes and and plays on the road at times, um, yeah, that is that is a pretty scary game. Um, and I think all the metrics would point to Michigan still being a pretty decent sized favorite in that game. But um, anyone who says, you know, oh, we get past Michigan State and then we're probably going into uh, the Ohio State game at 9-2, and two, it's like, well, you have, I mean, you have a tough game sandwich in between the two. And a lot of, in a lot of ways it might be more difficult than the Michigan State game is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, right now, Tom Allen has that team playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best Indiana teams that we've we've seen in recent years. So, which is fun. It's good for the Big Ten. Uh, it's good for good for Indiana fans that they've really had a rough time uh, following that team with a lot of heartbreak and things like that. So I guess if you're Michigan, all you can kind of do is is go in there and and try to add to, add to the heartbreak, so to speak. But yeah, they've had a really good season and, and they're they're a really good team. Well, around the Big Ten this weekend, Penn State plays up in Minneapolis, and this is the biggest game they're saying up there since 1962 for the Gophers. And I've got to admit, I'd like to see them beat Penn State, uh, but this at at least should be a a fun game to watch. I I think that when you look at the two teams, uh, Penn State is better, uh, and I think they have the better talent. But P.J. Fleck, I mean, he's he's a guy that specializes in turnarounds, and it's the reason that you're going to see him start popping up in some of these big jobs. And at the very least, Minnesota's going to have to give him a raise, which it sounds like they're already working on doing to kind of keep him keep him satisfied for the time being. Um, yeah, that's kind of you know all, all season we've been waiting for Minnesota to be tested, and they've they've had they kind of were skating skating on thin ice early on. They had a couple of close wins against teams that they should have probably blown out, but these last few weeks they've really started to hit their stride. We keep using that term, um, you know, hit their stride, and, and they're starting to play really good thorough clean football so um yeah i'm excited to watch that game it's it's kind of a it it kind of feels like one of those contender or pretender games Mm -hmm, because i mm -hmm. think that even to a certain degree penn state we're not quite sure what they are yet i mean they they you know played well enough to beat michigan and and they have some some good wins on the resume they beat they went to kinnick and beat iowa but you know how how is that team matchup with ohio state so um that's that's going to be a really. Fun, I think that's going to be a really fun game. I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. 
If they get by, they head down to Columbus in two weeks, and that could be an interesting game. Part of me doubts it, though, but other than Wisconsin, this could uh, be the only test the Buckeyes get before they head up here. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too, is, you know, there are some people, and I think a lot of these people might just be Michigan fans that are hoping that Ohio State is a little bit fraudulent. Um, there are people that say they haven't really played anyone yet, and, and they haven't. Um, I mean, they, they destroyed Wisconsin, but that was a Wisconsin team that had just lost to Illinois the week before. They kind of, they, they're not, certainly not the team that Michigan played early on in the year. Um, you know, like I said, I think if you're, I think that the one thing about Ohio State that I keep saying, and I don't know if it's going to wind up meaning anything, but Justin Fields gets hit a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in seeing when they play, you know, a couple tougher, tougher teams here coming up, how is that going to, you know, how is that going to affect how he plays against, you know, a, 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 if Don Brown's defense is able to get to him, how is he going to play in that game? I think he's kind of proven that he's, um, he's able to overcome that and obviously a terrific player, but, um, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about, namely Penn State this weekend, and then we're going to start to learn more about Ohio State uh, in these next few weeks here as well. So um, that pecking order uh, that we have had a lot of questions about, it's about to sort itself out one way or another. So, yeah, I'm look, really looking forward to the stretch run in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Namely, I think there could still – there's a chance for maybe a little bit more chaos out west. Um, you know, if Minnesota has a very tough schedule to end the year. Uh, they still play – Wisconsin and Iowa, I believe, after yeah. Penn State. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Well, final question for you then, Anthony, before we let you get away. I think we're all excited about the the final three game stretch for Michigan. I think it's going to be grueling, no question about it. But I think we're going to win the next two, and I just pray we play Ohio State tough and give ourselves a chance uh, to be in that game. But you know, I still see us in the end at nine and three because uh, that Ohio State team looks like a juggernaut to me right now. So if that's how the regular season plays out, you end up 9-3, and do you think Michigan fans will consider this a very disappointing season? Well, I think the key to that is obviously getting these next two. You've got to get to nine wins. And then from there, I mean, there are going to be fans that say, oh, well, you know, doesn't matter. Season's a failure if we don't beat Ohio State. Let's, let's be honest about Ohio State for a second. I, I, I think that this Ohio State team is the best team that it's had since they've won uh, the national title in 2014, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's something to consider. I think all you can really ask for is that you know you compete enough in that game to give yourself a chance to win. And like I said, I think that if they were making the betting lines today, what would that line look like? I mean, you know, conservatively speaking, maybe Ohio State by like ten and a half mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all you can really ask for is that. You play that you continue to improve enough. You, you get these next two wins, and just give yourself a chance at the end. I mean, I'll put it this way: I mean, it would be a little more, it would be a lot more disheartening if they blew Michigan out again. Then you know, I'm not welcoming a, a close, heartbreaking loss by any stretch of the imagination. But at least if that happens, you can tell yourself that you're that you were there. You can hang with those guys. Um, there are people who say, you know, whether you beat Ohio State or not, it's a failure of a season. Uh, you know, that's what defines the season. And to a certain extent, probably a little bit right on that. Uh, I think it is – I think you can call this disappointing no matter what happens because 
even if you beat Ohio State, then there's going to be the people that come out and say, oh, well, where was this for you know, the two losses they had this year? So some people uh, in the Michigan fan base will just never be happy. But like I said, I, I think in order to – if you're going to finish 9-3, and three, the only way there's any goodwill in that to me is if you you scare the heck out of the Buckeyes and you give them the best game that they've seen all year. And, and uh, you know, you give yourself maybe you know, a bounce of the ball here or there you have a chance to win. And I think at this point, if you told me at the beginning of the year that when you play Ohio State, it's going to come down to a bounce, it's going to come down to a call, it's going to come down to a play. Given how last year went, I think Michigan fans would take that. We've got the bye week to rest up, uh, enjoy the Penn uh, State-Minnesota game this week, and then get ready for our three-game stretch. So we'll see what happens. So with us on our game day edition this week has been Anthony Broom from Mason Brew. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Anthony, and we look forward to our next visit. Of course, anytime. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today, no injury news to talk about. Even without the bye week, we are as healthy as we've been since the opener. So let's enjoy the bye week. We have some good games to watch this weekend, especially the Minnesota-Penn State game. That really should be a humdinger. Next week, it's back to business, though, and that means two shows as we get ready for our noon kickoff with Sparty. On Tuesday, we'll have our game day show with scheduled guest Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic Detroit. And on Thursday's Visitors Edition, Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal who covers our visitors from East Lansing. So once again, enjoy the bye week, get rested, have a good time, and we'll all be ready for what I'm sure will be a very stressful and hopefully exhilarating three weeks of Michigan football. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!